another episode of How Do You Do? I'm Samantha Vinicor-Minat. And I'm Yael Haruti. <laughs> and we are here, like, every week to talk about all things Jewy. Yael, how are you? I'm good. I got, I got, we, <laughs> I'm glad we got that down. You know, behind the scenes peak, like, we got this. It's not like we're about 30 episodes in and still kind of working on our intro. We wouldn't want people to think that at all. <laughs> No. <laughs> no judgment, friends. No judgment. How you been? Um, <clears throat> oh, my voice is doing funny things. Amazing. I am just so excited that we are back to our recording schedule. As our listeners know, this week we are delving into episode two of season one of My Unorthodox Life, which is available on Netflix for anyone who wants to pause, watch the episode, and then watch along with us. And I'm actually really excited because since we watched this, it's been announced that there's going to be a season two. So we have plenty of episodes upcoming to keep filling our time as we comment on this crazy family, which I'm all about. Um, As a reminder, a refresher for those who missed our first episode on the subject or who are unfamiliar, My Unorthodox Life follows is a reality show, again on Netflix. Uh, who is not sponsoring this podcast, but if anyone is connected with Netflix and wants to put them in touch with us, please keep keep me posted. Um, And it follows the story of Julia Hart, who was an Orthodox woman living in Muncie, New York, an ultra-Orthodox enclave, who then left the community and became a fashion designer and business woman. And it's about her and her kids and this crazy over-the-top lifestyle that they are living with gorgeous clothes gorgeous apartments and lots of drama and we're so excited to talk about it oh my god you should go to muncie maybe maybe i should go on an excursion i did enjoy and we'll get to this because i have several different notes on it they go on like a trip to the orthodox grocery store at one point i was like i bet i would like a lot of their products and then i um you know went back to trader joe's which is where i spend a lot of my time well, you left right when they opened Grove here. Are you kidding me? That is true. I they have Israeli-style sushi. What's Israeli-style sushi? It's sushi that resembles the <laughs> the way they make it in Israel. Like, is it, oh, is it like the triangle sushi sandwiches? No. Oh, that was my favorite thing about Israeli sushi that I've never found in America. I've never had those. There is no way you've never had those. I've never had those. I know they exist. I never had them. Oh my gosh, when I lived in Jerusalem, and by lived in Jerusalem, I think like I actually did just set up shop at like Sushi Rehavia, I would just get these sushi sandwiches, and I would do this on a more than once a week basis, until there was one day, and this is like a very upsetting day in my past, I just want to name that in case it's triggering for others, Um, Sushi Rehavia ran out of avocado and I didn't understand what it meant for a sushi restaurant to run out of avocado. I was like, that's like an Italian restaurant running out of tomatoes. Like, or I, pasta. I <laughs> it's like an Italian restaurant running out of pasta. <laughs> how this has happened and then I had to eat sushi without avocado and some people might call this anecdote like a first world problem but 
it was very upsetting to me and has shaped a lot of my relationship probably it's probably why i had to leave israel and move back to america honestly i, I don't even know how, how you got through that day sounds like a horrible day it's really on like that one of those top 10 but look at you yeah. you're stronger and better today right i i have overcome i will continue to but like if you were to say we're so proud oh, of you are you like still salty about that particular day no not at all no it seems like you it seems like you're over it yeah it seems like i have a really proportionate reaction to the (laughs) avocado incident as it shall forever be known anyways so um you do need to go you should go to the to the orthodox uh, grocery store okay i i will go on location and share it on the gram or or at least visit a grove I could go to Grove. The next time I come to Cleveland, perhaps I'll go on a Grove excursion. <gasps> Can you come? <laughs> we'll go together. Oh, okay. Well, then fine. Okay. <laughs> that part sounds lovely. We'll go together. We'll make a day out of it. We'll film ourselves. It will be fun. I have seen several interesting videos filmed at Grove, actually, on other people's social media. And not to sound, like, too cocky, but I think we could beat them. Oh, okay. I'm in. Yeah. So no, does, that mean you're, does that mean we you're coming? The other aspiring kosher foodie social media influencers, which is, I'm sure, again, like a really <laughs> intense market in Cleveland. Does this mean you're coming, though? Because you have to come for us to do that. Oh, I have to. Well, I'll have to pick a date. I, I would love to. I will have to pick a date. I will say selling my house has been like a moving target process. We did sell it but are, I still have to finish a few issues specifically with the septic system. Um, this is really a peek behind the curtains into, you know, the high stakes drama of my life beyond the avocado situation. So if I need to come back to deal with that in person, I think everyone expected me to be like, oh, no. But I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm happy. So I'm super accommodating. I'm happy, and too. How's, and so, how's the new job going? So far, so good. Um I am enjoying, um, I'm, it's again, always interesting to start a new job virtually because I'm just like, I, I don't know how to hug people through a Zoom screen, but perhaps that's healthiest for everyone, um, but excited and feeling challenged and super um, ready to, once I have more of a handle on things, report out. That's amazing. Yay. All right. So let's jump into our episode because I have a lot of notes. My first one is... The second episode opens um, at a fashion show, and one of the models who is supposed to work is in jail, and the show must go on because that's how, you know, shows work, and my main comment from the fashion show is everyone ever is better at walking than I am. Um, Okay. I did not compare this to myself. My comment was, don't see anything interesting. (laughs) I was just... I was so impressed by, like, everyone. How did you compare a fashion show to yourself? Well, no, just, like, everyone wearing 12-inch heels and not looking down at the floor and, like, nobody broke anything. Like, if I try to walk in non-flip-flops, it's like a contact sport between my face and the ground. No, it's not. I've seen you. You do a really good job. You've never seen me in non-flip-flops. You don't give yourself enough credit. Sometimes I switch from flip-flops to Uggs, like, as seasonally appropriate. <laughs> okay, second um, 
On this, in the second scene, we see Julia and Marcio in bed talking about Bacheva and Silvio. Why did I call him Marcio? I mean, that also ends in EO. Maybe okay. Well, Silvio, okay, I don't. I'm not good with names. I've said this before. That's okay. So Silvio and Ben, and they're talking about um, Bacheva and Ben. Yes. And Julia hates to see um, Bacheva asking for permission. And Silvio explains uh, explains to her that it's part of their like journey together, just like she went through her journey, um, like what and what he said last episode. Yes, no, I'm Team Silvio because I am Team Ben, and I wrote down a quote that he said that she's trying to move as a couple. So it's not asking for permission. It's about moving forward in a way that's good for both of them. And for those who um, need a refresher from our last episode on this, one of um, Julia's daughters is Bacheva, and she's married to Ben or Binyamin. And they've been having like a debate as they also figure out what their post um, Muncie life looks like about like what their standards are as a couple and Bacheva is interested in starting to wear pants and initially Ben was like really nervous about it so it wasn't necessarily her asking for permission but them exploring what that meant and like the whole family essentially freaked out that he was oppressing her but we are in fact team Ben and are a little bit more understanding of him and I appreciated that Silvio was also like a voice of reason in all this that it's not so black and white that him disagreeing with something that she's doing is not like meant to be a trigger for oppression, but it's them figuring out like what their comfort zone is gonna be as a couple. So, so I was kind of I was kind of annoyed with uh, something that Julia said. Um, she said that if that, that she said I'll make it happen if Ben doesn't get there, and I'm like, you don't get to just butt into someone's relationship and. Even if it's your daughter, like you're gonna make it happen if he doesn't get there. This is his process. He's going through this. They're going through it as a couple, just like Silvio said, and he's so right about it. They're moving as a couple. They're not moving as two different people. They decided to leave Muncie together, so they're now moving as a couple. And maybe Bacheva is a little more ready than he is, but she, but he will get there. And even right. if he doesn't, they'll find their own solutions. Right, and I think that, you know, not to say that I'm a relationship expert by any means, but, like, this seems like a really healthy exploration of compromise, that they both have, like, different opinions, but are both approaching it from a place of, you know, it's like it's not a deal breaker. I love you, you love me, and we're going to figure out how we can get through this in a comfortable way. Like, they, I know that they're, like, the kids, but, like, they're easily two of the most mature people on this entire show. Yeah. Um, okay. Right, so we leave yeah. Julia and Silvio in bed, and now Julia is at a meeting about her new shapewear line, which she is super excited about. And her younger daughter Miriam is there and announces that she wants to change her last name. So their last name as a family is or was Hendler, but when Julia left the community, left Muncie, she changed her last name to Hart. And then when she and Silvio got married, he took her name because it was like such an important thing that she had created this name for herself. And now Miriam, the younger daughter, like basically said that this is who she is more than 
who she was as Miriam Hendler in Muncie, and she wants to make it official. And I think you could tell, like, Julia's really moved. She's very honored by this, but, like, they're both already saying, like, how, you know, she has to tell her Abba, she has to tell her dad, and there's, like, a worry that he's going to be really upset. Yeah, Julia said, Yosef is going to freak out. <laughs> right, and I, like, I, I feel for that because, like, we at this point, we haven't met Yosef yet. We will later in the episode. Um, mm, mm, but mm, nope. We see him. We don't see him. Yes, in the scene, it, at the very end, like, Miriam knocks on his door and he, like, comes out and she's like, I have something to tell you. We only see the knock on the door. We don't see him. No, she says, I have something to tell you because I didn't watch ahead. I was so good. She says, I have something to tell you. We never see Yosef. I'm still waiting to see who this person is. I think we see him. I'm, unlike you. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. Well, I really, I well, we see a lot of pictures of him. Maybe that's where I'm... No, I'm, no, the last, the last scene is... Um, she goes to talk to her dad, but she she just knocks on the door. Oh. Well, we see pictures of him. <laughs> Regardless. Fine. Whatever. But all I can say... And this is how we know Samantha cheats. <laughs> no, I didn't watch ahead. I was so good. Um, I'm kidding. This, I'm this kidding. This is like as bullying as the avocado people. Wait, you already finished, like, all the episodes, didn't you? The whole season. Yeah, but I, then I, when I rewatched, watched the <laughs> My God, there's a lot of drama here. Anyway. Um, I love you. Love you. <laughs> Sorry, it was just so addictive. Um, I understand. I've also watched, like, I've done a lot of binge watching lately, and I think I've forgotten how to even stop a show. Yeah. I just, like, keep going. I've been so good. Um, I, I only watch them when we're doing, like, an episode. Just so. You're just, like, such a purist, and I'm just, like. Just I'm just a team player. Me. What can I say? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously a ruiner. It's fine. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. But anyway, so they're worried that. Um, Yosef is going to be upset and uh, all that I was kind of going with is you know at this point we don't really know a lot about him we know that like the kids still have a relationship with him and he has joint custody of the youngest son Aaron who we will meet in this episode yeah um, but and that like Julia did not like being married to him but I think they're doing an interesting job in terms of like portraying like he's going to freak out he's going to be upset but to me, it doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing to be upset about. Of course, as a dad, you want him to support whatever his kids are ultimately going to do. But, like, I could see that being, like, a really hurtful thing, especially if you're going through, like, a, a divorce and your child decides to, like, change their name to the name of the other parent. Like, I could see him um, reasonably not in, like, an out-of-line way being like, wow. Yeah, obviously, every parent wants their kids to have their last name. Yeah, I never even changed mine when I got married. <laughs> so I'm just the best kid ever. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure your dad appreciates that. I'm quite sure he's just like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite sure no one was particularly concerned about it, but maybe, maybe he's like Yosef on some level. Okay, so um, next we see um, a model. She comes into the yeah. fitting, um, and she's talking, she shares with Julia that she's been harassed on the set. Um, to like, she was asked to post nudes, and and she was really harassed about it. And Julia um, has a nice talk with her and tells her that she's that she's trying to fight this, which 
Yeah. I I had like I loved I liked Julia as a woman before, but I've I saw her in a whole new light. Yeah. When I when she said this. Yeah, I totally agree. I think especially like as a businesswoman and the way that she's advocating for these models and these women who like otherwise might not have anyone who's really standing up for them in an industry that it sounds like, you know, obviously not one that I'm in, but I could see as being really easily made toxic. Um, I really appreciate that she is there as, yeah, just an advocate and, and like standing up and encouraging her to stand up. And we see that also later on of like, she wants to change the power dynamic of the modeling industry. Um, and I love everything about it. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much all, all we see there, yeah. Excuse me. What? No, no, no. I was going to say, then we move over to Bacheva and Ben's apartment, and they're making lunch. And it's so cute because, like, they – so, again, part of the backstory is they got married when they were, like, 18 years old. So you can tell these are people who really grew up together that, like – Bacheva's making fun of Ben that, like, when they first got married, he didn't like salad or fish. And I feel like there's something to be said that, like, yeah, they were children, which is a whole other set of things, but they're really growing up together and coming into their own, and Ben is already over the pants thing, and it's like, they love each other, I love him, and I appreciate that they are really just doing their own thing and making, like, a path that they're both growing together. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then, then Shlomo. Yeah, and then Shlomo comes in. He comes over for lunch. He's the the brother, and he shows them the pictures that he's putting of himself on dating apps. (laughs) And the consensus seems to be he looks like such a creep um, in the way he's portraying himself on these apps. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, I am not currently on dating apps because I got married. Um, But he looks like a profoundly creepy person that I have seen on dating apps back in the day. Well, it just comes to show that you can't really judge. Like, not everyone is good at creating a dating app. Did you know there's a whole industry, I did not know this, where, um, like, you can pay someone to basically curate your dating app presence for you, and, like, you pay for, like, someone to, like, either pick photos or even do a photo shoot and, like, write your profile and help you think of, like, what's a good, like, message to send to other people. Like, because it's not an instinct for a lot of people because it's, like, a very weird world that we're in in terms of, like, how we connect with each other if we ever really think about it. And it's, like, this under... I don't even know the underground. It's, like, just an industry that you could pay for a dating app coach. And I think that Shlomo would be good to invest in that beyond his sisters. Well, maybe you can contact him and tell him. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, I'm just, like, pitching this industry. I am not part of it. Um, again, like, nobody is sponsoring this podcast. But if there is a uh, Jewish dating app coach out there, um, you are also welcome to email us at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. I have a lot of questions about your profession. <laughs> okay. Um, next, we see Miri. Uh, well, we don't see her. She calls um, Bacheva, and she's on speakerphone, and she's telling her about changing her last name. Um, and Bacheva 
thinks it would be hard for their dad to hear this as well. So like yeah. she's she's kind of taking sides with that. With Julie on this, they all they all agree that the dad is not going to take this very well. I think you know I can understand that. Right, and it doesn't seem like anyone's. I think it just seems like a really legitimate thing. It doesn't seem like anyone's afraid that he's going to be like no, and know, and I think it's just like this is hard. I think that Bacheva. I mean, they're all being very supportive of of Miriam and her decision. But on the other hand, they're saying, like, dad is not going to like this. And I can understand why he's not going to like it. Yeah. No, I, I feel like for just, again, anything, I think especially in a situation of divorce and when the kids already, like, live with the mom. And I understand that this is a reality show based around the mom's life. So, like, we don't know really how often do they see their dad or, like, what's, you know, off screen. Maybe he's just, like, more private about stuff but I could totally see like oh my god my kids already don't live with me they live closer to the mom they maybe are closer to the mom it's like, not even just about that it's also about like my kids are wearing pants and not skirts anymore my kids right, but, but also to lose, have like, social another, media right to lose another thing another shared thing of like we don't have the same last name anymore and it's because she made the active choice to like want to I don't again I don't know if it's about side so I don't know if I would say to like take Julia's side mm-hmm. but um it's hard it's a lot so I I'm feeling for Yosef in this moment and for like and for Miriam because I'm sure this isn't an easy decision even for for her even though she seems super confident in it like it's a lot and it's a big life change so feeling all the feels so then we move over Julia has a business meeting with all of these like European fashion heads and um, they talk about the power of social media and just like again I like have a lot of questions about some of Julia's parenting moves but as a businesswoman she seems amazing and what a badass and really has this conversation about like changing the power dynamic to give power to the models as influencers and I think especially in this moment um it seems really powerful so yeah yeah and i just i i mean yes all of that and also i wrote a a small note of her boobs are almost falling out of her shirt amazing yes yes and that should not be on tv (laughs) well so then actually it's interesting because we switch over back to her closet which is the size of every single house i've ever lived in um and i haven't lived in particularly small houses so that just says a lot about her closet They're talking, uh, Julia and Miriam are talking about going to Muncie, and um, she, like, Miriam has her birth certificate, and everyone thinks she should tell the dad in person about changing her name, and the youngest son, Aaron, is home from camp, so Julia wants to go to Muncie to pick him up for, like, their time together, and there's this conversation, because you're talking about Julia's boobs are out, about what Miriam should wear. Because she was Muncie. wearing a see-through shirt with no bra on. She's, no, what? She's so, but it turns into, 12 like, years old? Miriam, what should Miriam wear? Because it's interesting that, like, she starts off by saying, you know, she doesn't want to cause any more upset and she like she'll wear her Muncie outfit which is more modest covers as she says everything that's supposed to be covered and Julia kind of pushes back she's like why shouldn't you be who you are the rest of the time yeah it feels very manipulative and also like Miriam I think is Miriam's super sweet excuse me that she doesn't want to like offend anybody 
Right. And I think that there's, again, I don't think it's hiding who you are to be respectful of the environment that you're in. Like I will say when I go into more orthodox spaces, I have the outfits that I wear. I'm not pretending to be orthodox. I'm not pretending that you won't find me in jeans or let's be real. It's about being respectful. The rest of my life. But if there's like a dress code for where I am, I'm okay with that. And I appreciated that Miriam was okay with that. But ultimately she decides to like go with Julia's plan and just kind of dress the way that she dresses. So Julia and Miriam and Robert, who is Julia's um, friend and colleague, all road trip to Muncie. They have a conversation about the underground gay community of Muncie, which we should have an episode about them because that sounds ridiculous and fascinating. Um, they go to the kosher grocery store. Um, they get bacon, which is fake bacon, um, which then made me think about, did you hear that like this week or last week, um, the people behind Impossible Burger came out with Impossible Pork, which is like a plant-based um pork substitute for vegetarians but the decision was made that it, even though there's nothing not kosher about it it won't be given a kosher stamp because it's supposed to taste too much like pork um so i'm not really sure what bacon tastes like but apparently it must not be close enough to the real thing because it's being sold in this muncie grocery store it's probably turkey bacon oh that's anticlimactic I love turkey bacon. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. But when she said bacon, like I didn't know what it was, and you're you're right. It's probably like turkey or lamb or like just yeah. Else. Um. So okay. Julia almost crashes the car. Yeah. No. She. I. As someone who I'm actually a very good driver, but my parking skills are like that of what I can only imagine is like a drunk toddler. I felt every feeling that she had yeah. because she also said she's like I have two backseat drivers. And I was just like, yep, get it, girl. Like, well, she doesn't know how to drive. Um, I know how to drive. I just don't know how to park. Did you she say that know. Mary did not join the grocery store? No. I, yeah, she didn't go. So Mary de- decided to not go in. And Julia, while she was in there, she was making everyone uncomfortable. Like, you can see people walking past her and just staring and walking by really fast. Because she was, she was dressed very not... Um, how do I say it? like respectful I think it's interesting because I always think there's a line she was definitely dressed in like an intense like out there outfit which was obviously meant to cause a stir I have had moments again I'll wear a skirt and a dress or whatever to orthodox synagogues or day schools like I'm very comfortable doing that but I have had a few experiences where I'll go to kosher grocery stores intentionally not dressed with anything showing cleavage or anything like super disrespectful but i'll wear the jeans that i was already wearing because i do also want to but that's like, fine she wasn't wearing jeans no but i i think it's important to make it like known and noted that like there are other types of jews Jewish, keeping kosher like it's not just for people in a certain outfit or adhering to a certain dress code and like i'm buying the same chicken in my jeans and t-shirt and like i believe in it just as much um so I, no, I agree. I don't I don't wear skirts and, you know, long jackets when I go into Grove or to um, other kosher stores here, but I don't wear cleavage and no, a mini skirt. 
That's true. I did once. So is this an okay anecdote to share? We'll all find out. Um, so I was once in a kosher grocery store in Cleveland. People are welcome to message us and ask me which one because it really, I think, makes the visual. And I didn't have any pockets because I was wearing a dress. Um, and I put my credit card into my bra um, and for, you know, safekeeping purposes because no pockets. Like, ladies, we do what we got to do. And I knew that it was there. So I intentionally, like, very discreetly, when I was in an aisle, took it out so that way I wouldn't, like, do that at the register and traumatize anyone, bought my food, went outside, and this guy came running over to me saying, um, oh, wait, miss, you dropped your credit card. And I totally didn't even think about it, reached into my bra and was like, no, this one's mine. And when I say he backed away in abject <laughs> horror, I'm not exaggerating. He backed away, I think maybe ran away. And I was just like, oh, probably could have found a different, more normal person way to be like, oh, no, that's not mine, rather than like pulling that out. So my apologies to this man who I don't know what his name is. Oh, God. Um, moving on from that charming anecdote. So Julia is worried about the, like how much time she's been separated from her son, Aaron. Aaron's 14. He's adorable. Yeah, we finally um, meet him. He's home from camp and they are having a lot of like, I don't, a lot of feelings because whatever experience he had at his Jewish summer camp, he decided that he was going to break up with his girlfriend and stop watching TV and, like, become just, like, a little bit more um, strict about not talking to girls, even though he's going to a mixed high school. He, meaning mixed male-female, like, but a, a Jewish high school, um, he's decided to become a bit more religious, and Julia is appalled and cries. Well, and Julia, Julia tries to explain to him, she's appalled, she cries, but she also tries to explain to him the difference between judaism and fundalism like she says it's okay to be jewish but this is this is one step further and she's crying and she's telling him that girls are not bad right no and i think that there are so many things that like there was so much happening in this scene there's a lot of emotion and i think it's important that she's telling him girls aren't bad and that they're really fun like they found a school that is a Jewish day school but has a secular education so he's not closed off from any opportunity of like which world that he has one foot in is he gonna like ultimately make his way in but I also think there's something to be said that like being 14 years old I would say between the ages of about 14 and 20 is the most intense I think most people are ever gonna be about anything that like whatever convictions I had when I was 14 like you could not have talked me out of them now I think I'm much more chill and I feel like he just had this experience at camp he was in this like peak Jewish moment and he's coming back with all these ideas and I remember coming back from summers in Israel or immersive experiences with so many ideas about like how I was going to change my life and what I was going to do differently and then real life happened so I also think that, like, I understand this is deeply triggering for Julia because of her experiences with fundamentalism within orthodoxy. But I think by, like, freaking out to this extent, 
it's almost giving Aron this place to dig in his heels, so to speak, as opposed to like, okay, he's going through a phase and we're going to keep giving him like opportunities to see the world through different lenses. Well, I um, think, I think Julia is, I think Julia Scarrett's not just like a phase because yeah. he is raised. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my voice today. Um, she is, she, I mean, he is being raised in Muncie, like where she, yeah. where she left. So, um, we also kind of, uh, forgot to talk about the scene, um, that Mary takes Robert on a tour of the house and oh, she shows yeah. him the house, tells him about her life. And then she also expresses that she doesn't want to talk to her dad about her last, about like changing the last name. Um, and then the next scene after we see Mary, like knocking on the door, um, to her dad's room, and telling him that she wants to talk to him, but we don't, but that's where it ends. <laughs> Even though right, Samantha yeah, so says that a, it doesn't end there. <laughs> we're on a cliffhanger, um, and I think there's a lot to keep unpacking. Like, we're gonna yeah. see something about like this confrontation that they've been building towards. I'm sure there's more to come in terms of like Julia and our own, in terms of figuring out like she's fully out, but he really, like, he is seeing still the beauty of the community because there again there are these pieces and especially as like a young boy his experience is obviously going to be different from that of like a middle-aged woman Mm -hmm. dealing with the community so i'm sure like their conversations are not over yet by any means um and i think there's still a lot to unpack here i'm excited to see where it's going um i have another episode for next week Okay. All right, listeners. Um, we are excited to hear what or see where this is going. Those of us who haven't, you know, awkwardly watched ahead. Hem, <laughs> <And laughs> <and> Samantha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was one time. I. It was summer, and it was. It was COVID. one time, and it was the whole season. <laughs> well, I didn't realize because coming up for air is like a lot during a binge. I'm kidding. Um, I'm gonna continue giving you shit about this. I'm sorry. It's okay, listeners. (laughs) Like, this is what I am faced with. I'm just, like, I'm like the Binyamin of. (laughs) Like, I'm just bullying about pants. Except instead of pants, it's binge watching. So, Team Ben and Sam. (laughs) Anyway, um, we look forward to continuing this conversation next week, and we hope that you will continue to watch along with us. So,. As a reminder, we'll be watching, what is it, season one, episode three of My Unorthodox Life, which can be found on Netflix. Um, In the meantime, you can also find us in all the places. So please, wherever you are listening to this podcast, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, take a screenshot, put it in your Instagram story. Show us love. Yes. Follow us on Instagram at HowDoYouDoPod and send us all of your feedback, thoughts, things about pants, things about um, whether or not that incident where my sushi sandwich came without avocado like made you think of anything at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. And until next time, happy chewing!